Hello, junkies, crackheads, stoners, pill poppers, booze bags, coke fiends, ravers, rockers, hippies, hobos, potheads, wasteoids, losers, hipsters, racists, therapists, professors, homophobes, flaming homosexuals, big book thumpers, 12-steppers, hypnotists, skinheads, Mormons, Jews, agnostics, Eskimos, and any and all other members of the Dopey Nation. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast on drug addiction and dumb shit. And here's Dave and Chris. Hello and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. I'm Dave. We don't have to do that anymore. I know. I wanted to throw you for a loop. Yeah. I wanted to give you a little treat. You didn't think I was paying attention. I figured you'd like that. You yeah. love it when we do that. I'm Chris. That's good. I'm <laughs> glad. I'm so glad. Um, so yeah, we're in the, the luxurious uh, Hamptons, which I love. I think we do probably our best work here. Snowden. Snowden. Edward Snowden. We got Sammy over here. We got the dog. And I got, uh, Sammy is uh, my girlfriend's dog, and he's afraid of the guitar, and he's also afraid of... You don't just frighten him to death. He just ran away. He's afraid of the guitar. He's also afraid. We learned um, from New Year's those little tweet tweet things. These this, these guys noisemakers. Noisemakers. These guys. He's terrified of that. So we've just saved it since New Year's. And whenever he's a bad dog, I just I don't even have to blow it. I don't even have to like make the noise. I just put it in my mouth, and he runs away. He's a bad dog. You know, he's a great dog. But I think we do our best. Sammy's work. a good boy. We yes, yeah, he's a good boy. <laughs> We do our best work in the Hamptons. I stand by that. You think so? I do, because there's a lot of reasons. You want to know the reasons? Acoustics? The acoustics are very good. Yeah. The acoustics are good. I feel wealthy when I'm here. There's like, Chris has, his mother actually has like really, most of the art is really, really nice. She's very good taste in decorating. There's a painting of a chair, but the chair isn't a chair. The chair is hundreds of tiny chicks, like little chicks. Like little hot women? <laughs> no, like little chickens. Yeah. And um, the kitchen is so open and stainless steel. And uh, the living room, or the back porch is this glassed-in room. And the front porch, it's just beautiful. And it makes me feel wealthy. And uh, we're unencumbered. And I haven't worked all day. And usually we do it during the day or even in the evening. But there's no fucking food. Do you have Excuse to work me. tonight? No. I mean tomorrow? No. Oh, you're so lucky. But there's no food. So, yeah, there's ravioli. You don't want my raviolis. You weren't going to make it. I'd throw some water on. We should have. It's too late now. And I, I've gorged on chocolate and graham crackers. All right, where are we headed with this episode? I'm going to get though? diabetes. What are, you, what are you thinking? I'm, I'm heading to an early grave. Yeah. Ooh. Um, fucking, we have a potential guest who just texted me back. Um, where are we heading with this episode? Let's just go into the old notes file. Do you want me to play the voice memo? You want to start with that? It's up to you, man. Why is it up to me? Because it's your show. Right, I'm go, just along for the ride. Go to work. Okay, we're playing a voice memo from Stephanie. And sorry if we haven't played your voice memo. We're you so don't, this, You don't really think it's my show. Pipe down. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we're having technical difficulties. What's up, Dave? What's up, Chris? Hello, Dopey Nation. I am so excited to be calling in. I have been wanting to do this for a really long time. I really love your guys' podcast. I think that what you're doing for the recovery community as well as the using community is amazing. I think that there is definitely something to be said for understanding the war stories that addicts do go through on a day-to-day basis, as well as seeing that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and you both are prime examples of that. And I think that it is just so heartwarming and amazing to see you guys grow and to be the influence of a lot of other people who I know have benefited from the podcast. And so I've been just really eager to call in and get in touch with you guys. And uh, yeah, hopefully you like my story. So this story takes place about a year ago. And to give you some idea of where both of us were at at this time, meaning my boyfriend and I. My boyfriend was out of, had been out of prison for two years and pretty much on a constant run uh, the whole time. So he was 
doing dope, was doing Xanax. I had been on a run for about a year and a half doing cocaine constantly, doing Xanax constantly as well. So one night we had received a call from one of our really good friends that he wanted us to come and pick him up from the rehab that he was currently in and wanted to get high. And when he asked us, I struggled with the thought because I didn't want to be the enabler of him getting high when he's trying to get clean and be in rehab. But then it dawned on me that he's going to get high no matter what. No matter if I bring my car there for him to get out of there or whether he runs out of there on his own free will because he doesn't want to take it anymore. So we get in the car and we drive up there and it's during a class and we pull in and we text him and we're like, hey, we're here. And he comes out and he kind of James Bonds into the car because he doesn't want anybody to see him leaving rehab, obviously. So we leave and there's a little plaza right next to it with a few stores in it. So we turn in there and he sees a Starbucks and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna go into Starbucks and use their bathroom to obviously go and shoot up and get high. So I see that there's a lingerie store right next to it. So I tell my boyfriend, oh, okay, let's go in there so that we don't have to just sit in the car. We go in the store and we've been in the store now for probably three to five minutes and these three guys walk in and they're pissed off they come like charging in they walk right up to my boyfriend and they're like what the fuck dude what what did you give my boy what what the fuck did you give him he's fucked up what did you give him i'm like oh shit they obviously went over to starbucks and knocked on the bathroom door and Either he opened the door or didn't or whatever. They obviously knew what was going on. They just came in and they charged right at us and they were not fucking around. And they were like, you know, what the fuck are you doing here? And so the girl at the, at the lingerie store is looking at me like, do I need to call the cops? Being in this life already for this long, I know that you just deal with fucking crazies all the time. So I'm like, it's all good. We're going to go, you know. So we leave. And we're walking out and these guys are now yelling, I have your license plate number. I'm going to call the cops on you. So I was like, we need to get the fuck out of here. My boyfriend is on probation. We have drugs in the car and on us. We've obviously just picked up somebody who is now high in the bathroom. Like, we need to get the fuck out of here. So we get in the car and I look to my boyfriend and I say, what do we do about homie in the bathroom? Are we just going to leave him there? What the fuck do we do? He's one of our friends. We don't want to just leave him. But now we're all at risk of getting in trouble. What do we do? So we take off. And I feel like shit. And, you know, I didn't want, I didn't want any of that to happen. I didn't anticipate any of that happening. But in the moment, you think that everything's going to be okay. The rush is almost fun, no matter who wants to admit it or not. It is fun. But when you take a step back, you're like, what the fuck was I thinking? This story just kind of stuck out in my head because there's a few things that I realize now being sober. My, my boyfriend and I are now sober of over a year, and I, I am so thankful for that. Every day, I never thought that we would get there. Honestly, there was a point where we just didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But when I see and look back now on that situation, there's one aspect of how addicts are going to do whatever they can to get high. And that the recovery community is very passionate about their peers within their own support groups. And I think that that's really powerful. And Looking back on it now, they did exactly what they should have done. They, you know, if you saw one of your friends, you're going to go out there and you're going to be like, what the fuck is going on? 
So, you know, that story was not so much dopey and crazy, but I think that it just had a lot of different aspects to it. And I'm going to try and think of some more stories, some more super dopey ones, and reach back out to you guys. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Keep doing it. Much love. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles. Toodles. Thank you, Stephanie. Sorry it took us so long to play the voice. Yeah, man. thank you, Stephanie. Hope you and your boyfriend are still on the right side of the old fence, if you get my drift. <laughs> that reminded me of a story I don't know if I've ever told on Dopey. You'll have to tell me if I've told it. Okay. Um, so I ran away from Rehab so many times. You know what I mean? There's like literally just I have ten stories like that. Mm-hmm. Calling people, just running away with nothing or calling people and people pick me up. But I was thinking of a similar story that I only have – Actually, have two of these type of stories, but one main one where I was living with some recovery guys, and we relapsed, and they're like, "Dude, you got to go to treatment," and I really didn't want to go, and I was like, "Finally, I was like, okay, I'll go to treatment, but I have to drink on the way." You told the story. I told the but story. Tell it anyway. So I know it again. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and so I got a fifth of of uh, vodka, and uh, I drank the whole fifth on the way to rehab. It was a place called Cornerstone in Tustin, California, and. Uh, that's a lot to drink in like an hour. Like it was like a shit, whatever. I don't know. It's like 20 drinks or something. It's a lot, you know? And so I get there and I'm like shit faced. Uh-huh. And like my roommate is this older guy named Peter. Like he just like doesn't even want to deal with me. Basically just like kicks me out of the car to go into to treatment. So I go inside and it's night now. I start blacking out. I vaguely remember talking to different people. And I guess the staff, you know, they had a detox on site. The staff starts panicking and they're basically like, we can't deal with this guy because I'm like flirting with the girls and stuff like that. And so they call the doctor and they're like, what should I do? They're like, what should we do with him? Like he's still – he's shit-faced right now. Like they have like the meds they're going to give me but they didn't – they're waiting until I'm not shit-faced to give me the meds. And the doctor said – I remember this even though I was like getting to the brown and blackout thing. I remember him – he told them and then I overheard somehow. Give him 30 milligra- uh, milligrams of Valium. Like three blues. Like that's a lot. That's like, and I was shit-faced already and like – when I take Valium and I'm drunk, like a lot of people put them to bed, it gives me like superhuman strength. <laughs> it's literally like the worst thing you can give me when I'm when I'm drunk. So they give me three Valiums, three of the blues, you know, three of the tens, and uh, and I black out, right? And I wake up the next day, and I'm in this detox room, and there's four beds in there, and I'm the only one staying in there. The other three beds are all they're all like twin beds, are all knocked off the beds. The blinds are literally ripped down off the thing. All the drawers are opened up. One of them is pulled out entirely. Like there is like actual real. It's damage. like a cartoon. Yeah, it's, it's like, like, it's like just uh, don't uh, let me smoke crack because if I smoke crack, it's yeah. like, you know what I mean. It's yeah. like it's like being a prisoner and was, trying to get the thi- the one the Hulk. Yeah. Don't make me angry <laughs> or, or yeah. you know. It was like basically, it was like they closed the caged animal in the room. And it's like almost like I never thought to open the door, but I just destroyed this room. So I wake up the next day, and the first thing I think is like, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> it fucking sucks. So literally, they drop out of rehab, shit face. I got even more wasted, and then I wake up there and I'm like, fuck this, I'm not doing it. I had my fill. So, like, yeah, so, so, so I go into like the administrative area, and I'm like, hi, like, uh, like. I, th- I don't think I can do this. Like, I want to leave. And they're just like, what the fuck? Like, oh, my God. And I'm, like, insistent. And so they're like, okay. And I was like, do I have any belongings, right? And I had no wallet. I had nothing with me. This was in my belongings. I remember it was a Ziploc bag. It was my name on it. They go in, and the woman takes it out. And I saw this woman. I went to this place three times. I ended up getting to know her pretty well. And, like, I'd already met her once before. And she takes out my Ziploc bag. This is Chris O'Connor. My only belonging is a six-inch butterfly knife. <laughs> she's like, she takes it out and she like hands it to me to You're leave. Like, yeah, <laughs> she like hands it to me to leave, and she's like, I don't even know if like I should be giving this to you. She's like, this feels wrong, and I'm like, no, oh, it's okay. Like it's fine. It's like it's like when it was when it was right to give me the three Valiums last <laughs> yeah. night when I got here. Is it wrong to give me the butterfly knife? It's like the worst treatment center I've ever heard of. It's like it's like. Let me just go to treatment. Let me see if I can score a couple Valiums for the night. (laughs) I'm done. Time to go home. Time to leave. There's some damage to your room. Um, Just put it on my bill. (laughs) Charge it. Charge it to the, Charge it to the room. Charge it to the room. <laughs> My room service. All right, so what are we doing today? What are we going? Where are we going with this? Nowhere. Nothing. No, we're going to call. There's this guy. Oh, thank you again, Stephanie. Yeah. Much love. Stephanie, she's an active Twitter person, She's right? a pillar 
in our Twitter and community. Your Twitter, you have a cult following on Twitter. Not a large following, but a cult following. Right, should we, let's do a couple Twitter questions before we move on do to our Do we have guests. new Twitter questions? Yeah, we do. I love this. You like Twitter? Yeah, I like the Twitter. The funny thing, though, is half the stuff they ask me, we've already answered multiple times. On so Dolby. what? Shut up. Yeah. Leave them alone. All right. On Twitter, let's see. Let's go. Dave posted and said we're recording. Do you have any questions? But didn't you say we're recording with, with Matt? Yeah, but they, they asked questions of other questions. Okay. It was Stephanie, actually. Okay. Stephanie wants to know. Stephanie, of the, that's why we played the voicemail. You're like, oh, we got to play your voicemail. Yeah. Steph X Slays wants to know. Uh, why did you both start using when you did? Did we skip that one? Why did we start using when we did? Yeah. I guess, I mean, when we first used, I mean, I was a kid. It was like, not peer pressure, but it was like, you know, I was a kid. I answered that question when Jim was on. Yeah, you had the screwdrivers. and I, I, I used because I wanted to, to have fun at parties and not be depressed. I drank the first time when I was 12. We drank my friend's box, mom's box wine. It was with Randall Smalley and Jake Himes, and we were in seventh grade. And Where we, are they now? Uh, I don't know. They're probably doing well. Probably um, doing blow. Probably doing, I bet you they're doing pretty good. Uh, and we drank him. I remember this vividly because we drank his mom's box wine. I had probably a little bit more than them, but like two cups of, of you know, of like rosé or some shit. And I remember we went to their basement and Randall pulled out a cigarette out of a shoe. Mm. And I vividly remember this because I remember being like, oh man, like no way. Like I'm not going to smoke a cigarette. I think that was like the only time I ever denied myself something. And then really? a year later, I got shit faced and smoked pot. And then from that, I didn't drink for a whole other year. But from then, thirteen on, it was just, just running, just going for it, full throttle. Mine was uh, <clears throat> weed in high school, and then once I got to college, I just figured I would do whatever I could get my hands on, except for except for um, crystal meth. No, I did PCP. Not yeah, except for angel dust. I never did, but just and it wasn't I, around. No, I, I tell you my I told you my angel dust story, right? What? There's a festival at my college. Yeah. And I'm like, happy-go-lucky, hippie guy with my corduroy pants and shit, yeah. and I'm wandering out in the field, and then these two girls were very attractive, sitting in the field, smoking a pipe. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get stoned with these girls. And they're like, you want some? And I was like, sure. And they go, it's angel dust. Yeah. And I said, no, I'm not smoking that. You denied angel. Wow. I there was angel dust once when I was in Roxbury and I had no money and I tried to trade my Texas Instruments TI ninety three. Ninety two. I had a, I had a TI ninety nine slash four A. Ninety nine. Yeah. That's like next level shit, isn't it? Dude, I I, I, I tried trading my TI ninety three or ninety two I don't fucking remember. One of those TIs for um for Angel Dust for PCP and the guy was like I can't do anything with this. There was a guy that I worked with. He wouldn't accept my trade. He wouldn't. He didn't want the Texas instrument for the dust. No, but in the Caribbean, man, I was at this one place by. They'd accept anything, literally anything. They give you like four dollars worth of coke. In the old Again, days, you, I, could, I, you could you could you could sell like, anything. You'd take your like T-shirt off, and he'd be like, "Oh, I'll give you a bump." <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to do with it? Though? I tried trading my. I had those leg braces from the alcoholic neuropathy when it was bad. When right. I first, yeah, and I tried trading with a leg brace, and it. Uh, he wouldn't take that though, and I was like, "There's carbon fibers. Like it's worth like three thousand dollars." Like I was like, "I can't do anything with this." That's interesting. So they don't take anything. I can't believe they wouldn't take the carbon fiber, but they'll take your T-shirt. They didn't take my T-shirt. They took like a shitty video camera I had. It's they a took, video they camera. Took, no, they took a fucking AM/FM radio. I had. You know, they're like they're like five, they they're like they're like five. Nine, they gave me like a line. That it's seems like, like five, a great deal. He gets a radio, you get a line. Hey, dude, it's, it's like five, it's like one of those five ninety nine things that they sell like in Staples or uh, Walmart. But he knew that, and he knew a line was worth less than five ninety nine to him. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Here's another. Okay, Doctor Dizio. Was one of our followers. He wants a shout out. Hey, shout out to Doctor Dizio. What's up, Doctor Diz? He says, "Is uh, he a real doctor?" That's a good question, Doctor Dizio. Are you a real doctor? I will make a nice short voice message soon with my nice condenser microphone. Big up, big, big up. up. Um, who's? Oh shoot, who is it? It's my mother-in-law. Oh, um, does she want to be on Dopey? I don't think so. Yeah. Um. Who's the most famous person I met at work? I would say it was Keanu Reeves. What about Leonardo DiCaprio? Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio. DiCaprio. Oh, yeah, I did meet Lowe's, him. Uh, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. What do you, mean? you met him. He just didn't want anything to do with you. Oh, yeah. He looked at, he looked at me like he was scared. Oh, speaking of, of which, let's get this out of the way really quick. I had another famous person at work, and I talked to him. 
And uh, this is what he said. Why doesn't it play? Because you're an idiot. Can you get it to play loud? Here. Some speaker. Here, pause, pause it for a second. This please. is dead air. I know, pause it. This is dead air. I like the dead air. You do? It's just radically authentic. Is it on now? It's recording. We're just we're just rolling. All right. Me pause, dopey. <laughs> Here, look at listen to this famous person who was at my job. Hello, this is Ned Stark. You're listening to the Derpy Podcast. I've never fancied the milk of the puppy myself, but I understand it's a lure. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. And toodles. <laughs> there you go, Ned Stark. Have we played that before? No. That Who was... Was, um, that? was that a Dominican guy? No, that was some actor. He was at the table, and he wouldn't talk. He was writing down everything he wanted. And yeah. I was like, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah. And he was like... He wrote down, I'm in a play tonight. And I said, well, what play are you in? And he wrote, Game of Thrones, the musical. Yeah. And I said, well, you do a vo- uh, shout-out from my show. And he did. It was Ned Stark. But why didn't he talk? Because he was saving his voice. He was saving his voice. voice. He's, yes. He was a fucking jerk-off. Saving his voice for the show. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Is well, that a thing? I, I guess so. It was obviously a thing. Yeah. And then listen to this one. You ready? Yeah. Are you prepared? Yeah. Are you familiar with the movie, um, whatchamacallit, um... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, New Jack City? I am familiar with uh, New Jack City. Mario Van Peebles, you are listening to the... Good man, sir. Who is Mario that? Van Peebles. Who is that? The director of New Jack City and one Was of the New stars. New Jack City Wesley Snipes and Lawrence Fishburne or something? Probably. Anyway... Is Chris Rock in it a little bit? He plays a crackhead. He's pookie. Yeah. Pookie, that was Mario it's Van Peebles. It's kind of hacky when you go back and look at it's it. Not, it's not the best movie I ever saw. And I made Mario Van Peebles feel pretty uncomfortable at the restaurant. Why? Because that's what I tend to do. Did you keep saying drug stuff to him? or I tried to. He was. It was pretty weird. The whole thing was pretty weird. Let's <laughs> call this the, guy. Do you think at the end of the interaction with him he liked you? No, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think so. No. <laughs> I did. I don't think so. Um, here we go. Who we're we call him, Pookie? We're going to call Ed. Oh, Ed. Dr. Dunbar. Can I say? I wonder if I can say it. You might have to bleep that. Oh, you idiot. Hold it. This is the sphere right here. You can hold it right here. It's the dopamination in here, right? There you go. Oh, shit. I wasn't supposed to call this number. So before I even do that, I'm going to say I met this guy at Renaissance in Florida. I, the I, Renaissance guys, uh, it's kind of like hardcore treatment center um, in terms of their not their theoretical orientation, their treatment modality, where it's like sort of a break you Very down, punitive. break you down to they a build, place. Yeah, yeah. They, they break you down to build you up, but they often forget to build you back up. Yeah. Um, and they I had talked met, about it ad nauseum. I had met his girlfriend in the detox, and like we had kind of had a little thing. Yeah. And then like while they were together. No, they had. I think they were just finished. Yeah, like it was just finished. Yeah, and then he wound up coming into treatment, and they knew that I had had been involved with his girlfriend a little bit, and they yeah. put him in my room. Was there any animosity? No, we became really good friends. We played music together. We wrote a song together. All right. I'll play the song at the end of the episode. Okay. Here we go. And now he's a doctor, some sort of clinician. There you go. <laughs> and how are you doing? Good. How are you, good sir? Isn't that crazy? Bizarre. Can I say your name? Yeah, absolutely. You're Doctor Dunbar. Yeah, I'd like you. Can you say it one more time? Are you Doctor Dunbar? <laughs> how scary is that, dude? If you had met this guy, yeah. uh, and Chris is here. <laughs> this is Ed. Hey, Ed. What's up? I'm Chris. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm good, dude. Ed was like you. But way worse. He was like, he came in out of the, the fucking, you know, the, the bad part of Florida, fucked up with these fucked up clothes. He had these jailhouse tattoos on his legs, the saddest tattoos of the Charlie Brown Christmas tree. Yeah. So it's like a stick tree done in that green ink on his leg. Oh, my God. He, and he is like all grizzly and he had sad eyes yeah. and he was like, I keep relapsing. And now he's a doctor. He's cleaned 15 years. How'd you do it? What happened? 
12 years, but I will take it. I have no idea. I mean, usually folks have these stories of, you know, all this hope and experience. I just have, you know, sometimes it sucked, but I got absolutely tired of the other way. Yeah. So I had to give this way a shot. We met, like, how long ago was that? Oh, God. 15 years? Something like that. And, and so you didn't get it right away? No, absolutely not. Did you? Are you kidding me? I have two years. I have two and a half years. Okay. Yeah, no, absolutely not. No, I came out. I can't remember if I, when we met, if I had already been arrested or if I got arrested after we met. But I know that was a, a pretty big motivator for me. Um, getting to spend a few days in the Miami-Dade County Jail will really sober someone up enough to know that I, particularly, am not cut out for jail life. Right. I can, so yeah, yeah, that, that was a pretty big one for me. And you, what, what was the what was the plan? How did you decide to become a doctor? It seemed cool. I liked having uh, cool letters in front of my name, but <laughs> uh, really, one of the the big motivators was that I got to work with some really cool counselors, some really good counselors, and some really bad ones down in Florida. But the good ones probably inspired me more than the bad ones. At Renaissance really or somewhere else? Yeah, yeah, at Renaissance, and there were. I think some of the better ones I worked with were some of the public uh, rehabs I went through down in Florida while I was bouncing around from place to place. There were some really good folks that I worked with. Um, but, yeah, they kind of inspired me to want to be able to, to be a counselor and to help other folks out. And then the doctorate, I just had to add that on because it felt cool and it's fun to teach. And where are you now? Montana. I'm in a very small, tiny town. Um, you guys are in Manhattan, right? Well, we're on Long Island right now, but I work in Manhattan. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Chris, yeah. Chris is in Boston. Yeah. Nice, nice. I uh, applied to a college near Boston. Where did you apply Obviously, to? I did not get that job. Uh, Assumption. Oh, okay. Cool. Where did you get your doctorate? Uh, East Carolina University in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. Oh, cool. All right. Yeah, but... Uh, obviously, I didn't get the job at Assumption, but a really cool school. Um, but right now, I am in, oddly enough, a small town called Manhattan, Montana, which is tiny. But yeah, that's where I'm at. Cool. What's it like out in Montana? What do they do? Is it hillbillies and meth everywhere? Or, I mean, I, I don't know anything about Montana. But I was I googled I googled that. It doesn't seem like you're working with addicts, though, right? No, I'm working with uh, mental health. We do have an addictions program. So, it, I mean, the two overlap so much that we're really doing a, a little bit of each. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Montana, you had it pretty accurate when you were asking about the description there. It is Western. We, only, we moved out here in July, and it has been the biggest culture shock, a good culture shock. But, man, it is a different world out here. There's horses on the streets. Wow. Some of, the, some of the streets are paved. Some of them are not. Um, Do people walk wild, around with those little, switch. like, wheat I'm, things in their mouth? What was that? Do people walk around with those little wheat things? You know, like I mean, those... you have to. <laughs> it's one of the requirements for moving to the state. <laughs> That's oh. funny. Um, and uh, you don't... You Did you decide not to work with addicts, or why didn't you become a, an addiction kind of guy? Specialist. Well, that's what I that's what I did in my uh, professional when I was doing counseling. I worked pretty much primarily with folks with uh, with addiction issues. Worked with them for I don't know six or seven years before I went back to get my PhD. I worked in an inpatient uh, treatment center for a while, and then when I came back, really the market it kind of dictated where I went. So this is. A mental health agency, but really, I mean, not an agency, but a, a mental health program here at our school. But what I teach is the addiction part, and I teach some of the group counseling and some of those concepts you use in that. Cool. Nice. <clears throat> you do a lot of what, more supervision than actual, when you say teach it, what do you mean? Uh, teaching, teaching classes. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, it, we're graduate programs, so we're training counselors who are, okay. who are going out into the to the world, but yeah, we do supervision and all that fun stuff. Awesome. So wait, tell us, I mean, before I want to hear a little bit more about your story, but tell us what your first impression of Dave was, if you can remember. <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave, Dave. Um, I'm sure you can't even remember it. Are you kidding me? He was out of his mind. You remember it? Yeah, I, re oh, I definitely remember meeting, uh, meeting Dave, um, and he's probably similar now, just from the, the voice and from a little bit of the podcast I've listened, listened to. Um, he reminded me, I'm trying to figure out how to describe this, 
while sounding genuine but not uh, offensive. It reminded me like of a puppy, <laughs> if that makes sense. Like kind of cheery and always uh, kind of your typical extrovert, cheery and joyful. And he had a uh, kind of a magnetic personality that made you want to be around him. He was also a little bit narcissistic, but it worked for him somehow. Yeah. So it was a, kind of a cool combo, but I did, I remember liking him the, the first time I met him. Well, we had a lot of fun. We, we had a lot of fun. And ain't nothing I changed. hate to say it, but can you believe we're not rock stars? <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised, personally. <laughs> yeah. and at the end of this episode, yeah. I'm going to play that song that we developed together, which ended which with... Which one? It ended I with... I have a bone to pick with you on that, because I think you had the lyric. I swear it was about buying turkey. <laughs> I don't think it was. It was. It was. It ended with twenty, 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 twenty. Blind. Why would I admit? Where did I get turkey? Because he said, "Buy one, get one free." How can you disagree? Two pounds of turkey. It was two pounds of turkey down at Old Dixie. Down at Win Dixie. I I think what happened was I wrote amazing lyrics, and then you made fun of me, and you said buy the turkey at Winn-Dixie and I was pissed because I'm a narcissist and I was like how could you fucking step on my good shit with that turkey Dixie crap that could be accurate but I swear there was turkey in that song somewhere if it how could you write a song without turkey and it's what I want to know well if you're rhyming those rhymes it was it was a spot to put them and I'll tell you this though Ed you and I knew each other I don't think more than 60 days I think I think we knew each yeah. other sixty days, maybe ninety days, and it was uh-huh. it was a very enjoyable time. And I always wondered what happened to you, and yeah. um, and uh, I, I'm in touch with maybe one or two people from Renaissance, and, uh-huh. and I and they I ask about you, and I swear to God, I was going to even say on Dopey there was this fucked up junkie cab driver that that I met at Renaissance does anyone know where he is and then out of nowhere Ed emails me because he heard Dopey no shit so where did you hear it really bizarre I was having one of those moments of hey I wonder whatever happened to blank and I was like well let me see where Dave is and I typed it in I came across the, uh, your other uh, uh, series um Right uh, on YouTube, and then I bounced over and happened to see something about Dopey Podcast, and I was like, "What? What the hell is this? Let me check this out." Oh, look! Bam! And as soon as I turned it on, I think yours was the first voice, and I was like, "Okay, well, there's Dave." <laughs> That's so funny, right? That's hilarious. Yeah, that was. It was really bizarre, though. It was cool, though. I remember I was like, they had considered me somehow the most toxic personality at Renaissance, so they yep. wouldn't let me go to meetings. So we would have our own meetings on the screen porch. Do you remember that? I do recall that, and I cannot re- remember what you did to actually have... I mean, when you really stop and think about this, to have a rehab tell you, <laughs> no, you cannot go to meetings. We don't want you to infect them. I mean, that takes some doing. Yeah, you think the most toxic person would really need the meeting. Right. <laughs> it's, I guess a different approach, but I cannot remember what you did to cause that, but I, now that you say that, I do remember it. What I think it was, it was my happy-go-lucky way. It really it really bothers people. That that thing that, that I just walk around, like, because Chris says when he met me, I was exactly the same yeah. as you describe, and I think that clinicians uh-huh. in a rehab, they don't want anyone like that. They don't want anyone to be, like, having fun. and. Well, Renaissance is, from what you've described, it's that sort of old modality where they want you to be, like, taking it serious and upset. So, like, constantly happy-go-lucky. They're like, he's in denial. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I think it's a, it's a decent place, but no one is going to stick with something if it's just misery. There's no way. Yeah. Well, that's the point of Dopey. The point of Dopey is the joy of being on the other side of it. It's the crazy stories that we had done. And it's also the absurdity. You know, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. The absurdity of being recovered and preaching recovery and, and having been such a debauched character. It's like such a, a weird thing, yeah. isn't it? It is. It's quite bizarre when you really stop and think about it. And I've never really heard it heard it put that way but it's really cool to see you guys doing what you're doing um you know there's so many addiction shows and podcasts and it's like you, you can almost feel the dramatic music that needs to go with them and it's just 
Nobody wants to do that. Ours is so much more fun. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not going to have fun in sobriety, what's the point of doing it? Yeah, exactly. Ed, tell us a fucking horrible dopey story. Oh, man. I don't have any uh, like really cool <laughs> stories. I can think of one that pops in my head, but really the whole time is just so gray and bleak, and I hate to seem dr- melodramatic. No, you there, were bleak. It was, you were it was it was a when you say jailhouse tattoos. I mean, I literally do have a Christmas tree on my leg. Like when I hear jailhouse tattoos, I think, oh, that's probably something cool from a, a rough dude. But you got to send us a picture of it. Can you send us a picture? We can put it on Instagram. Yeah, I can do that. I'll uh, I'll send it to you right now. Um, I can think of one when I was a cab driver. Um, it was right before, it was actually my last day cab driving was that I had wrecked the cab. I had nodded off when I was driving uh, somewhere in, in Delray and hit a car in front of me and that car hit the car in front of them. Um, but apparently the cab was still good to go so they had me continue to finish out my shift. Me knowing it was my last day, uh, I remember going because I had to drive about an hour to, to get to get dope. And I remember driving down to get that, knowing it was going to be my last day. Where would you go? Opalaka? So, Opalaka. Yeah. <laughs> Opalaka, <laughs> wherever. Uh, is that part of Miami? or I don't know. I don't even know. I just love the yeah. name. <laughs> it was a, a dirty, grimy town is what yeah. I remember, which felt right at home. Um, but what I did was I took, I remember stealing the cab company's money because they would give you all the money, basically all the money you made, you owed them a certain part. But I, I decided I was going to take all of the money, and then I scratched up my face so it would look like I was robbed. And <laughs> I actually went back to the cab station, and it's so bizarre now to think back about it that I convinced myself I was robbed. Like, I remember sitting there in the... uh the cab company like I was crying like I was like I can't believe this has happened to me this terrible thing completely made up (laughs) so you were crying because you were sad probably I don't know why I was crying but I know that I could do it on command and you would you might not be but a lot of people would be surprised at how well that works yeah it's like the George Costanza method of lying you have have to to believe the lie (laughs) absolutely if you believe it it's the truth Exactly. That's so funny. Uh, yeah, but that's, that's the one that pops in my head. That's pretty good. I knew a guy that he went to go cop, and a bunch of his friends gave him money. And what he did is he just kept all the money, bought the drugs, kept the drugs. And he had his other friend beat his face up with a wiffle ball bat. And oh, God. <laughs> Why with a wiffle ball bat? Because, because it does a lot of damage, but it doesn't do real damage. Right. <laughs> so he looked horrible. You know, and he came back, and the people believed it. <laughs> And Ed, you were, you, I'm sure you remember that girl, Dory. Oh, yeah, that's one of the reasons we met. We were both the, uh, pulling the rehab, uh, the rehab romance card. Well, I think they put us together because of that. I think yeah. that was the yeah. thing. Um, the social experiment, I remember that. But I also remember, like, I, I think we kind of both moved on at that point. So I was like, oh, cool, I kind of like this guy. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. I, I I saw Dory in in detox, and I never saw her again after that. But I was yeah. so weak and high in detox that it was like somebody in Florida likes me. It was like, <laughs> that was the idea. Hey, in my somebody's head. paying attention to me. But she she's in touch with me on Facebook. She's married. Uh-huh. She has two kids, and oh, cool. uh, and I asked her about you. And she was uh-huh. like, I don't know what happened to him. And now mm-hmm. I can, now if I ever if I ever get a minute, I'll tell her that you're doing well and better than everybody else. Which is great. Oh, nice. It's, it, it's good to hear that so many folks came out the other side. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's a, but she's like, I mean, listen, she's conducting her life somehow like she was never an addict. Like she drinks occasionally, she hangs out, whatever. You know, uh, yeah. uh, whatever works, I guess. Yeah. It, as long as it, you know, as long as her life is not miserable, because she was like intense. I right? mean, it's an yeah. exception yeah, to the rule. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very rare to hear about that, especially her. Yeah. She was so messed up; they would like do like monthly funerals for her oh, at yeah, the, the rehab, yeah, where they would lay her out in a coffin and stuff. Dig yeah, your that's own grave. Crazy. It's hard to think about places that 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 did that. I guess whatever whatever works for them. That place was was um was the reason I lost my low income housing in Manhattan. I mean, really, it was my addiction that lost it. But that place was the conduit <laughs> to having my parents say they didn't want to pay for me anymore. Mm. But ah, uh, the enabling stopped. 
Yes. And what about, and I heard that guy McNally uh, relapsed and left that place. Is that a true story? I did not. Well, no, I didn't hear about that. I heard he relapsed on Crystal and, and disappeared. Ooh, I can see that. Yeah, me too. He, he left as mysteriously as he arrived, I suppose. But who's to say? I don't know any, that's just all uh, me guessing, you know. Who's yeah. to say? I'm still in touch with uh, Robert Johnson. I don't know if you, did you work with him at all? I didn't, but I love his uh, Crossroad Blues. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I didn't work with him, but I knew him. He was a good guy, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's. I think he's one of the directors there now. He's doing really well. Super great. And what's him called? That the drummer, that Dallas. Uh, what's Dallas Taylor from Crosby, Stills and Nash? I thought had something to do with it too. Do with what? I thought he was one of the directors of Karen who took over uh, Renaissance. Oh, I did not. Huh. Look at that. They're moving on up. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Hopefully, it's good. Um, and, uh, so you, you've taken a break from working with addicts though. What, what made you move yeah, away he from He is it? a little bit. He's just doing general mental health teaching and that includes addiction. But why don't, you don't feel like the need to, do you go to meetings still, Ed? No, I don't. I, man, I tried those over and over and eventually I had to get to the part where I realized that method didn't work for me. Hmm. So what, what do you attribute to your, uh, your, uh, sobriety? Um, I guess I would attribute it to embracing the fact that I enjoy altered states of consciousness, mm. but having to figure out healthy ways of doing that. So for me, those healthy ways, I'm pretty big into meditation, um, running, spending time with family. Uh, uh, the other stuff is easier, but it, it comes with too many negative consequences for me. Right. You got kids? No. <laughs> no I, I would be the <laughs> terrible at that I'm, I'm still pretty entitled and, and selfish so uh no how about yourself i do i have a i have a daughter i have an eight year oh, seven nice. just about eight year old daughter and she's great and it's good that is awesome man congrats thank you it is good it's really good it's so good to hear you man i'm so excited yeah. that, that we get to talk like this and yeah, uh, definitely and i'd like to talk to you outside of this too <laughs> yeah please i will um, anything else you want to you want to say to the Dopey Nation before we get hey, out of here? Parting, parting words. Parting wisdom. I wish I had some really good words to tell you, some something inspiring, but I really don't. I could make up something. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what I want you to say? Because we always push 12-step on the audience, and Chris is always like, well, you could do it without 12-step. And I always think to myself, well, I don't really know anybody that did that, and yeah. now here you are. So why don't you okay. throw some suggestions out to, to the community that don't want to go to meetings? Suggestions I would have would be just accept that sometimes reality is absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Things feel bad. Things feel uh, unfortunate. Shitty things still happen, but uh, you don't have to ride the highs and lows of it. There's a way to be stable without uh, 12-step meetings. They work If they work for you, great, but at some point it, it took for me to embrace the fact that they were that it was madness for me to continue to try to jam that um, that model down my throat if it wasn't working for me. Um, I think I started to believe the fact that people would say, you're going to relapse if you do this, you're going to relapse if you do that. And for, for me, I proved them right time and time and time again, I relapsed. Um, so what worked for me was counseling, uh, working on spirituality, and then getting employment, finding some different meaning in my life. Nice. Beautiful. There you go. Thank you so much, Ed. It's great to hear you. Indeed. Stay in touch, and I will uh, text you over my sweet jailhouse tattoo momentarily. <laughs> Please do. Awesome. Alrighty. Man. Thank you, brother. Indeed. Thanks for having me on, guys. Love yeah. it. Thank you. Bye. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. That's cool. What a nice guy, man. Right? You know what's funny is I just said thank you, brother, and the way I said it had this like southern draw. To you, it. it's because you're a I, fucking people pleaser. Yes, brother. I wasn't even conscious. I know though. that's how I fucking guess. sick you are deep down. It's deep inside me. But dude. I'll tell you one. I know it's okay. But one thing I feel sick about is I've had no nutrition today, and I feel you fucking had graham crackers I, and I, seltzer. You know what I ate over here? I ate like you a, had a bite of arugula. I had a granola bar on the way over here. I had call. I feel sick to my stomach. It's disgusting. I need like a nice salad and meat. Yeah, I could use that, but you refused me when we were starting. Um, I got an email. Should we read an email? Yeah. You want to read it? Uh, yeah. Why don't you read it? Can I, I'd like to. Let's see, it says Chris Dave. Start this there. is Pat. Yeah. Chris Dave, how are you guys doing? I'm good. Good. Me too. 
Hope all is well. I love the show and I recommend it to everyone. If I had an iTunes account, I would 100% excuse me. I would 100% give you guys awesome reviews. I listen on Podbean. I sent out a couple emails previous to this one, but never heard back. I, I responded to this one. Though. Hope all is well, and hopefully I get a shout back one day. I'm just a big fan and want to be a part of the Dopey experience. I figured I'd share with you guys a Dopey story that I have. I have a lot of stories, but the one I'm going to share with you is the one that landed me in AA and in recovery. I've been doing drugs and drinking alcohol since I was 14 and started to develop an opiate habit once I turned 20. I'm 31 now. It started with Perk 30s, but then got they got too expensive, so I moved on to heroin. I had been using heroin for close to six years, so almost two years to this date, uh, on January 11th, 2016, I had purchased a gram of heroin from my dealer early in the morning and had myself set up for the day. At the time, I was working for a heating and air conditioning company as a service tech, so I would drive from house to house fixing their furnaces. I always copped first thing in the morning, because who the hell can go to work while dope sick? Me too. So it was early in the morning when I did my first hit, and it was an extremely cold day in northeast Ohio, and I had tons of service calls. Everything was going fine throughout the day. I kept high, I was able to fix everyone's stuff, and I was close to having my last couple calls. I think around 7 p.m. I did my final hit of heroin. Yes, I was using around a half a gram to a full gram a day. And my next service call was about 20 miles away from where I was. The last thing I remember was throwing away the fold of paper that I used to hold my dope. I woke up, woke up in an ambulance with two police officers and two EMTs all staring at me. I remember being in a state of pure panic, having no idea where I was or what happened. My mouth was so dry and my ears were ringing so loud, I learned that I had overdosed and had just been administered Narcan. The EMT explained to me what happened. I guess I had driven my work truck which is the two-ton truck, all the way to my next call, which was about 20 miles away from where I had done the last of my heroin. They told me that I hit a tree, thank God it wasn't someone, and that they found me slumped over the wheel of my truck. The person who called the police slash ambulance was the customer that I was supposed to be fixing their furnace. Thank God for her. I must have OD'd with a cigarette in my hand, and it ended up burning me very badly on my left hand. They took me to our local hospital... And there I was given a blood test and taken in for whatever overdose procedure they had, they have. As I was laying in the hospital bed, with all kinds of emotions running through my head, the cops questioned me about what happened and what was wrong with me. Again, my memory is extremely foggy, but I guess I admitted to the cops that I had a heroin problem. I told the cops that I had done heroin throughout the day and that I was struggling with the addiction. That, of course, was plastered in the paper the next day. Local heating and cooling employee wrecks work truck and admitting to having heroin addiction. <laughs> this was not one of my brightest moments. But you have to understand that I was in this complete state of shock. So I guess these cops had called my employer and explained what happened. They told me that I was hit with Narcan and that I had overdosed. My employer, in turn, had apparently called my father. As the cops were questioning me, my dad walked into the hospital room. I remember my dad asking what happened. I remember telling him that I have a drug addiction and that I am a heroin addict. I remember him breaking down I remember breaking down in tears after seeing how sad and upset he was. My dad is my biggest supporter and has tried to help me since day one and has always been there for me. He is my fucking hero. So eventually the doctor came in to see me to make sure I was alright. Turns out that the doctor was a girl and I had that I had graduated high school with. I dated her best friend all four years of school. She knew me very, very well. As if things weren't shitty enough, my self-esteem and what little dignity I had went right down the shitter after seeing her. Man, that sucked so bad. Looking back on it now, I should have never cared about what she thought of me. Since I had gotten a blood test and the cops never found anything in my truck, I was never arrested. I was cited for OVI. What's OVI? OVI. Some operating a vehicle and cited for failure to maintain control, but was not put in handcuffs, and I was released that night. The cop proceeded to give me back my belongings, cigarettes, phone, wallet. After the cop left and some time had passed, I opened up my wallet and made sure everything was still there. 
I guess the cops didn't bother to look at it because I had a couple of empty Suboxone wrappers along with a full Suboxone wrapper that I had kept in case of an emergency where I couldn't cop in case I couldn't cop for some reason. I also had empty paper folds that most definitely had heroin residue on them. I for sure caught a, a break. So after that day, I went into a deep depression and began to drink myself to death, basically. Morning, afternoon, and night, I drank more and more whiskey. I didn't know how to cope with all of these losses. Finally, I found the rooms of AA and have been on the right track ever since. I never in my wildest dreams would have thought that sobriety would make life so much better and easier. I have had some slips, and sometimes I fall flat on my face, but I never ever want to go back to that hell I was in. I don't ever want to see that face my dad had that day. I'm very lucky that so many circumstantial events happened for me at the right place and the right time. I was able to pull myself out of that early grave I was about to be permanently buried in. I apologize if this was too long, but I had to share the details. Maybe this will help someone else. Maybe they will realize that this too can, they too can get clean and sober. So Chris and Dave, I would love to hear back from you or hear that you acknowledge this email. Uh, P.S. I had to take a drug test the next day for work. I went and then gave a urine analysis, but for some reason I didn't fail or have anything in my system. Do you know, uh, do you or anyone know if Narcan somehow blocks uh, the opiate that shows up in tests? Say, stay strong, dopey nation. Minase toodles. Minase toodles. Do you know if the Narcan does that? No, it does not. So maybe, maybe, the, maybe the dope was just fentanyl and it was like a urine, like one of those shitty urinalysis, not lab. Or maybe he got lucky. And it's a great story. A cautionary tale. Could have been much worse. You know, they caught a lucky break. Great story. You know what I was thinking about? No. You know it would be extremely unpleasant, what? but I wonder if like no one would ever do this, all right? It is either way. Okay, let's say somebody's like dope sick, you know, and they Narcan them. And when you get Narcan and you instantly feel panic, you know what I mean? And like yeah. you come out of it. Yeah. Imagine if they narcan you and at the same time hit you with cocaine. Like Narcan mixed with cocaine. Imagine what that would feel like. It'd be horrible. <laughs> it would be like the worst feeling. But like, ever. But like for example, like Matt, Matt Pinfield. Matt Pinfield only did ups. Like yeah. for some people, I think they would like like it. That's what I was wondering. I was wondering, okay, if somebody's not dope sick, okay, and they shoot heroin, you're on a, a good nod, and then you get hit with Narcan, you don't get dope sick. It just stops the heroin. You know, just a big swing. So let's say somebody's not dope sick. Uh-huh. They shoot heroin. They're on a killer nod, right? Yeah. And then you hit them with Narcan mixed with coke. It's like Coke with a boost, almost. <laughs> it sounds so. Um, I just even reading that story, like I felt what he was talking about. Like yeah. I felt like what it was like to because I would wake up and I would I would shoot dope first thing in the morning. Like what happened? And 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 I and I and I've woken up in ambulances and like and I've had stuff still in my wallet and like just those feelings. They like it's like I literally live my life like I didn't do that stuff. Now. Yeah. Like, yeah. it does not have anything to do with my day-to-day. Talking to Eddie, reading that story, having heroin be such a focal point of dopey, and, and, and dopey being such a focal point of my life, but it's not about the fact that I, the drugs to me. Yeah. Like, the drugs are so fucking... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's not... And then when I read it, it's like, holy shit, I did this stuff. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it, it's, it's like almost like somebody else. Surreal. You know, and um, I appreciate... I really appreciate that that email, and I really appreciate what Ed said. About the not twelve step approach, because when you when you often say like whatever you can do that's good that isn't necessarily that I'm like you're bullshitting because nobody fucking but it's makes okay it. when he says it no 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 because he has twelve years and didn't go to AA you yeah. go to AA but you're what is his solution his solution is everything you always suggest I'm just saying it's cool but how does it how does it compare to some of the um, underpinnings of the 12 step program. It was it's, a spiritual solution in the end. You know, that's what he said. He just, he's more defiant than I am. He's a very defiant person. Yeah. He doesn't want people telling him what to do. Yeah. He could seek it out for himself. What are you doing over there with that book? Um, I wanted to, to read something that really struck me as dopey. All right. right. And I really liked it. Also, just before, because we're getting close to the end, I just want to throw out drop us a review on iTunes, please. We overpassed Omar. Who is a lovely, lovely man. We randomly, just uh, before we started recording this, we randomly uh, FaceTimed with Omar Omar of the Share Podcast. Uh, What the fuck am I saying? Oh, uh, reviews on iTunes. Follow us on uh, Facebook or like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, Reddit, all that bullshit. 
Um, I, I love uh, that Twitter is really coming in handy all of a sudden. Yeah. That's fun. Um, in this book, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, I had fucking... Here we go. Um, in, in There is a Solution, Chapter yeah. 2, there's this passage that I thought was very, like, one of the reasons... This is that, what they read in the preamble, right? I don't know. Um, I don't go to A that much. Go ahead. But I just found this to be, like, one of the reasons that Dopey is what it is. Uh, the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news uh, this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. And what I, I don't, I, what I mean by that is because we come out and we're bonded by the fact that we were so fucking sick and yeah. now we're not. And it's just a beautiful thing. And we're not a glum lot. We're not a glum lot. There's so much fire in there, dude. Um, but I feel like a preacher when I read the book. I want to play the song that me and Eddie wrote. Okay, and then we'll close out. We're yeah. closing out with the song? Yeah. Okay, so just to rehash, this is the song that Dave wrote with the guest in rehab 15 years ago. Yes. If it's, it goes. If it's not meant to be, it's nothing new to me. She took all my money and walked away. Disagree. She came and talked to me. What did she say? Well, when I can't wait. Shit. Well, when I can't. No. Well, when I can't wait any longer. Well, I know I don't have much time. And tonight. Retrospect, it's really not the best song we ever came up with. Yeah. It was about the girl. The song was about the girl Dory, like yeah. this wild girl who wanted yeah. to get drugs and stuff. And when you can't wait any longer, you know. You know. Yeah. And then the end, it was from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, where she says, "I want an Oompa Loompa now, Daddy." And twenty 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 is like you either see twenty twenty or you're blind. Uh, but we were in treatment, so it's not uh, the best song we ever came up with. But that was that. All right, it was pretty good. You liked it? I yeah. liked it, yeah. There was a song I wanted to do in honor of um, um, Andrew, but we'll save that for another Let's time. Let's do it in the next one. Let's you got any closing one. remarks for the Dopey Nation? Stay strong, my brethren and sistren. And toodles. I toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. want to be so good, so bad, so bad. I want to be good so bad.
desire's all I ever had And I want to take a ride up in the sky Watch the airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Bad desire's all I ever had And my shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand Shadow's getting smaller and smaller And it's time to where I stand City far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find. And I wanna be good so bad. Wanna be good so bad, so bad. I wanna be good so bad. Bad desires all I ever had. Damn it, all these suckers make me mad And it's all I ever had And it's all I ever had And these suckers make me mad And I wanna call my dad And it's all I ever had 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 And these suckers make me mad 